Good afternoon, and welcome to Outer Cape News on WOMR. My name is Matthew Dunn. This is your update on what's happening on the Outer and Lower Cape, drawing on stories reported in the pages of the Provincetown Independent, the Provincetown Banner, the Cape Codder, the Cape Cod Chronicle, and the Cape Cod Times. In today's episode, we'll look back at some of the things that transpired during this year's town meeting season and look ahead to upcoming town meetings and elections. Will David is here with his exclusive WOMR weekend weather outlook. And Ira Wood has a matter of opinion about Wellfleet getting its mojo back. Provincetown voters will go to the polls this Tuesday, May 9th, where they will face two ballot questions. The first asks for approval of a debt exclusion to pay for a waterline replacement on Macmillan Pier. The The second seeks approval of an override to fund the transition to a full-time fire and emergency services department. Approval would give the town permission to assess additional real estate and personal property taxes. Voters will also be asked to choose among four candidates running for two select board seats. Eric Borg, Austin Knight, Austin Miller, and Gordon Siegel all agree that the housing crisis is the town's top priority. Interviews with each of the candidates can be found in today's edition of the Cape Cod Times. Borg is part owner of Provincetown Brewing Company and currently serves on the Zoning Board of Appeals and the Visitor Services Board. Knight is a semi-retired handyman and a member of the Water and Sewer Board. He was a select board member from 2007 to 2014, and he is a past member of the Historic Commission and the Cape Cod Commission. Knight is a past board member and past president of the Aid Support Group of Cape Cod. Austin Miller is vice president of specialty lending at NBT Bank and serves on the Community Housing Council and the Year-Round Market Rate Rental Housing Trust. Gordon Siegel is a semi-retired realtor and the past owner of several businesses in Provincetown. He served on the Finance Committee in the late 1990s and again about 10 years ago. Siegel is also a past member of the Board of Directors of the Provincetown AIDS Support Group, now the AIDS Support Group of Cape Cod. Election Day in Provincetown is Tuesday, May 9th, and the polls are open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. The annual and special town meetings in Orleans will start at 6 p.m. Monday in the Nauset Regional Middle School Gymnasium. There are 66 articles on the warrant for the annual town meeting, followed by an additional nine to be considered in a special town meeting. There is about $11 million in debt exclusion and override requests proposed bylaw and charter changes, school and town budgets for the coming fiscal year, and various other projects and initiatives set to go before voters. Of particular interest is a proposed rental registration bylaw. The bylaw would require property owners to register their properties annually with the town in order to rent them, whether short-term or year-round. An article seeking to require registration for short-term rentals in town failed to pass at the special town meeting in October. The registration process would require property owners to declare how many bedrooms are in the property, as well as the number of working smoke and carbon monoxide detectors. 
It also spells out a system of fines for violations of the bylaw. The Orleans Fire Department would be charged with enforcement. Rather than inspecting every rental in town, the department will only respond to properties where complaints have been issued. The idea is that would make enforcement manageable without having to add staff. The revised bylaw does not include a registration fee. Select Board Chair Andrea Reed said she's hopeful that the meetings will conclude in one night and said she believes town officials are ready to answer voters' questions. Flyers will be handed out as people enter the gymnasium explaining some articles, and the town website includes informational videos explaining a number of articles, too. East Ham's town meeting takes place tomorrow, Saturday, May 6th, at 10 a.m., outdoors at the Nosset Regional High School Athletic Field. There are only nine articles, but they nearly all have subheadings. There are two debt exclusions and one override, and there is also an eight-part zoning bylaw article. Both overrides and debt exclusions will require a second approval from voters at the May 16th election before they can take effect. The priciest of the measures is a $5.9 million debt exclusion for the design of a wastewater system, although this shouldn't affect property tax bills. Instead, the debt would be paid with the town's short-term rental tax revenue. Plans for a wastewater treatment system have been a top priority in East Ham going back to 2008. Officials are now ready to submit a formal wastewater management plan to the State Department of Environmental Protection. The May 6 town meeting will be asked to take the next step by designing a small wastewater system for the Salt Pond watershed. Town Administrator Jackie Beebe said the best reason to move forward with water management may be that new regulations have been proposed at the state level that would require towns without wastewater management plans to require every resident in a nitrogen-sensitive area to upgrade their septic system, which could get very expensive for homeowners. Town officials oppose a petitioned article for a ban on the use of plastic takeout containers, and utensils by food establishments. Officials wrote that the town would like to be able to support the ban, but more information and more discussions with the business community are needed, and they may be able to bring the article back in 2024. Money to build a municipal water treatment facility, a new center for active living, and preschool vouchers are among the 59 articles that voters will consider at Chatham Town Meeting on Saturday. The meeting will start at 9.30 a.m. on Saturday at Monomoy Regional Middle School on Kroll Road. One major decision on the docket is whether the town should borrow $10.7 million to pay for the design, construction, and equipment of a new two-story Center for Active Living at 1610 Main Street. The proposal requires a two-thirds vote to pass. It will be the second time Chatham voters will consider funding a new Center for Active Living, after town meeting voters rejected the proposal in 2021. Since then, the estimate to build the center has increased by almost $2 million. Passing the article is a two-step process, requiring voter approval of a debt exclusion question at the annual town election on May 11th. Other items on the warrant include a proposal to pay for the construction of the Training Field Wells Water Treatment Facility, 
That funding would be used to address elevated levels of iron and manganese, as well as PFAS in the public water supply wells. Article 34 would fund the Dr. Florence Selden Preschool Family Support Program for three- and four-year-olds in Chatham. The appropriation would replenish the money spent in the first year of the program, which directly pays preschool providers up to $10,000 per school year for each enrolled four-year-old and $5,000 for each three-year-old. And Article 33 would fund the Chatham Child Care Voucher Program, to help provide year-round child care assistance for families living and working in Chatham. As of today, the Cape Cod Regional Transit Authority will start offering early morning and late-night service between East Ham and Provincetown on weekends as part of a pilot program. The first pickup will be at Nossett Green at 4.40 a.m. and will arrive at the McMillan Wharf in Provincetown by 5.24 a.m., and will reach Cumberland Farms by 5.28 a.m. The last run out of Provincetown will be at 1.30 a.m. from Cumberland Farms and 1.36 a.m. from McMillan Wharf. It will arrive at Nossett Green in Eastham by 2.23 a.m. Expanded Friday, Saturday, and Sunday service will run through May 21st. Beginning May 22nd, the expanded service will be offered seven days a week and last through June 23rd. Tom Kahir, the authority's administrator, said the service will continue to run beyond that date if it proves successful. Repeated requests from business owners, workers, and residents led to a town meeting warrant article to pay for a $100,000 pilot transportation project. The article passed overwhelmingly at the town meeting on April 3rd. Complete schedules with stops will be available in print and online on the Provincetown website. More information is available at capecodrta.org. Nearly $24 million in federal funding is coming to Cape Cod to support coastal resiliency, habitat, and marshland restoration projects, and for removing derelict fishing gear from waters off Cape Cod. The town of Wellfleet will receive $14.6 million for the first phase of the Herring River Salt Marsh Tidal Project. When completed, the project will restore nearly 1,000 acres of tidal wetlands, improve water quality, create healthy habitat for fish and animals, and restore flood and storm protection. Close to $2.2 million will fund a study to remediate tidal restrictions on the Pamet River in Truro. The ultimate goal of the project is to restore salt marsh functioning within the Pamet River. A $2.7 million grant will coordinate a coalition to remove derelict fishing gear led by the Center for Coastal Studies in Provincetown. The project spans the coastlines of Massachusetts, Maine, and New Hampshire. The gear includes traps, lines, nets, pots, floats, and other equipment. Single-use plastics in tourism industries will be the focus of a $300,000 grant to the Woods Hole Sea Grant. The plastics contribute to marine debris, and because Cape Cod is home to booming food, hospitality, and service industries, the need to find solutions and transition away from plastic is paramount. The goal is to create a coalition of education, government, and tourism partners to lead the way. And there's more grant money coming to our area. Provincetown School's Coastal Learning Lab was recently selected to receive funding from the MITC grant. 
The MIT program will fund a grant to improve coastal learning lab facilities. The lab, led by Nancy Flasher and Tessa Bride Taylor, aims to support the youngest learners and their teachers in the Provincetown School's international baccalaureate programs. Part of the grant will help the school purchase tanks and microscopes for younger children. The objectives for this initiative include outfitting a hands-on marine studies classroom and resource center, developing a marine ecosystems pageant and puppet parade, building on the Provincetown Harbor mural project, and strengthening educational connections with communities, institutions, and visitors. For Outer Cape News, this is Beth Dunn. With the arrival of an influx of free cash, voters at Saturday's town meeting in Wellfleet approved all articles. Discussion of expenditures on the town's capital budget and on housing and wastewater specialist positions led to yes votes all around. But at the town election on May 1st, a Proposition 2.5 override to fund the housing specialist position was defeated by just 17 votes. Town meeting voters approved an operating budget of $28 million, including a permanent override with virtually no opposition. Questions on how to pay for items in the capital budget provoked debate, however. A water main extension project costing $850,000 proved to be the most contentious item. The main would extend East Ham's water system to Maurice's campground to serve the affordable housing development planned there. In the end, the Maurice's water main was approved by a large margin. Voters also approved a stipend increase for select board members, with $7,000 for the chair and $5,000 for the other members. At the Wellfleet Town election on Monday, Ryan Curley won election to his second term as select board member, defeating Gene McLaughlin, 532 to 298. Voters approved overrides to pay for two firefighters, a water-wastewater superintendent, a school breakfast and lunch program, and a preschool voucher program. All were also approved at the annual town meeting and will therefore take effect. A Housing and Community Preservation Act specialist position was narrowly defeated by a vote of 426 to 443, Curley called the position sorely needed and said the select board will have to reassess the path forward. The commercial plastic non-alcoholic beverage bottle ban approved by Wellfleet voters at special town meeting in September of last year is now in effect. As of May 1st, it's illegal to sell non-alcoholic carbonated beverages in plastic bottles of less than 21 ounces in the town of Wellfleet. In other news from Wellfleet, Town Administrator Richard Waldo announced at the Select Board's April 18th meeting that Health and Conservation Agent Hillary Greenberg-Lemos had resigned. She will become East Ham's Director of Health and Environment, replacing Jane Crowley, who retired on March 22nd. Greenberg-Lemos had been the health agent in Wellfleet for 18 years. 
According to Waldo, Greenberg Lemos does not have an end date in place and will stay on to help train her successor. Her resignation came just four days after Building Commissioner James Badera resigned on April 14th. Victor Staley will serve as interim building commissioner until the town finds a replacement. Truro voters approved several override articles at their annual town meeting last week, addressing possible staffing increases to the town's emergency medical services, the addition of a housing coordinator position, and the creation and staffing of child care programming. The appropriations are contingent upon the passage of override ballot questions at the May 9th town election. Voters approved an override article to fund the staffing of the town's fire and rescue department by hiring four full-time firefighter paramedics and one full-time fire and emergency medical services administrator. Voters approved an override article to fund and staff community sustainability programs, including a child care voucher system, a preschool program at Truro Central School, and a child care program for times outside the school day and the school year. And voters approved an override article to hire a full-time staff housing coordinator. However, the town voted against an override article to add a school resource officer to the town's police force. Truro voters passed an article to finance a 99-year lease of a single-family residence on North Pamet Road to be used for town workforce housing, with paramedic staff intended to be the initial tenants. Voters also approved changing the name of a town employee-paid holiday from Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. Truro's annual town election will be held from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. on May 9th at the Truro Community Center at 7 Standish Way in North Truro. With the approval of voters at town meeting on Monday, the town of Brewster will join Falmouth, Mashpee, Martha's Vineyard, Nantucket, and Wareham in banning the sale of miniature single-use liquor bottles, effective January 1st. Voters did not endorse a ban on plastic takeout containers and cutlery, however. Gathered at Stony Brook Elementary, voters took four hours to dispense with 27 items, including adopting a $25 million town budget with a 4.2% increase without any debate. After extensive discussion, voters okayed both an override to support the Stony Brook and Eddy Elementary School budgets and an override to support the Nauset Regional School District budget. In other business, voters gave the select board their blessing to petition the state legislature to transfer control and care of Wing Island to the Town Conservation Commission. Voters took a pass on accepting a proposal to ban single-use plastic takeout containers and utensils in Brewster, voting 253 to 134 to indefinitely postpone. The same bylaw has been submitted to East Ham and Harwich. It was also discussed at Sandwich Town Meeting Monday night, as well as last month at the town meetings in Provincetown, Falmouth, and Yarmouth. Sandwich rejected the ban, while Provincetown indefinitely postponed it so the petitioner could work with local businesses to see how it could be enacted. Harwich voters approved $50 million to expand the wastewater collection system in East Harwich on Monday during the first session of town meeting. Funding will help implement the town's comprehensive wastewater management plan, which includes the design, permitting, and construction of sewers in the Pleasant Bay watershed. 
During Monday's meeting, attendees voted to approve the fiscal 24 operating budget, which funds nine and a half new employee positions, including four firefighters. One point of contention involved funds to improve 204 Sisson Road, the former Harwich Middle School, which is now the Harwich Cultural Center, or the 204. The select board voted to support the article, but the finance committee voted to not recommend it. Without a business plan providing more information, the finance committee said it does not support spending above the safety and maintenance cost of the building. A resident made a motion to amend the article to delete the Sisson Road item from consideration, but that attempt ultimately failed. Voters approved funding for a new preschool family support program for three- and four-year-olds within Harwich. That program will provide stipends to families with preschool-aged children to help cover the cost. As the meeting extended to a second day on Tuesday, voters supported petitioned articles banning plastic food containers and utensils and the sale and use of lighter-than-air gas balloons. The ban on plastic food containers and utensils will go into effect on January 1, 2025. Two additional petitioned articles, one seeking to prohibit the application of fertilizers, and the other seeking the dispersal of school choice funds to include alternative education, such as homeschooling, were rejected. Up next is town election on May 16th, as some items passed during town meeting must also be approved at the polls. One Proposition 2.5 debt exclusion question asks voters to fund the design, permitting, and construction of a dry sewer pipe along Route 28, Another asks if the town should approve funding to pay for the $50 million expansion of the wastewater collection system in East Harwich. Voters will also be asked to approve a 2022 town meeting vote to amend the town charter to change references of Board of Selectmen and Chairman to Select Board and Chair. And finally today, vendor booths are sold out for the Fine Arts and Crafts Show at Drummer Boy Park in Brewster this weekend, part of the 37th annual Brewster in Bloom, which features events all over town. Music, art, and the popular parade top the list of the weekend's events. Conductor John E. New will strike up the Brewster Band tonight at 7 inside Brewster Baptist Church. You can browse and buy local arts and crafts at Drummer Boy Park along Route 6A on Saturday between 10 and 5, and on Sunday from 10 to 4. Admission and parking are free. The Stony Brook Grist Mill will be open from 10 to 2 on Saturday. You can stroll the Herring Run and buy fresh ground cornmeal. Sunday's parade starts at Eddy Elementary at 1 p.m., and marches out to Swamp Road, where shuttle buses will drive onlookers and participants back to the woodshed. Across the street at 3 p.m., the UU Meeting House plans a free ice cream reception for Wampanoag artist and activist Hartman Dietz as part of the Voices of Cape Cod series. You can find out more at brewster-capecod.com. And for Outer Cape News, my name is Matthew Dunn. This 
This is meteorologist Will David with your weekly weather watch and temperature trend for the Outer Cape. The large and sprawling upper level low that has dominated the weather the entire week is slowly moving out to sea. And as this huge and cold high altitude wind machine weakens and exits stage right, high pressure, sunshine, and noticeably milder air will once again return to the Outer Cape this weekend. But will this warming trend continue next week? I would like to say yes, but it's a bit complicated. If the pattern completely breaks down, then much of that mild air out west will continue to spill eastward. But if another atmospheric block or traffic jam develops over the North Atlantic near Greenland, which is still a possibility, it would result in a cooler northerly airflow and eventually a backdoor cold front around midweek. I think this is going to happen and this would effectively keep the spring warmth at bay, at least for a couple of days. But no matter what happens, next week still looks a lot nicer overall. And despite that possible brief cooldown, the warmer air to our west will once again spread eastward by late week and next weekend. And in the long term, this warmer than average pattern should continue. Elsewhere across the nation, that same upper level low that has brought nasty and in many cases record-breaking weather to a large part of the eastern half of the country still has some lingering effects. Massive May snowfall of one to two feet and almost two and a half feet over portions of upper Michigan with severe storms and hail the size of softballs affecting areas from Texas to Florida to Virginia. And in Florida and Virginia, large and damaging tornadoes were also directly related to this one enormous upper level system. With this historic storm finally weakening, the attention turns back to another low pressure with origins off the Pacific, and that should be moving across the middle of the country and interacting with a stall front. The storm won't have nearly the same amount of severe potential as its predecessor, but will still bring showers and thunderstorms to the deep south. And by the way, Derby Day looks pretty nice in Louisville with temperatures in the 70s at race time and sunshine. And finally, even though the Atlantic waters are still pretty chilly, ocean temperatures are spiking around the world and warmer than scientists have ever observed at this time of the year. The warming began in early March, and one of the theories is the world is probably transitioning to an El Nino, with a greater than 60% chance of it developing through June and a 90% chance by year's end. However, some scientists believe the real issue is the concentration of greenhouse gases which keep accelerating at an alarming pace. This unexpected surge in global ocean temperatures is raising concerns that a climate pattern shift may further accelerate Earth's warming and supercharge the all too frequent and extreme weather events, deadly heat waves, wildfires, and ecological crises on both land and sea. Now my exclusive WOMR weekend weather forecast for the Outer Cape. This afternoon, clouds giving way to partly sunny skies, highs around 52. Tonight, mostly clear and moonlit with that full spring moon, lows around 46. Saturday, bright sunshine and milder, highs around 62. Sunday, mostly sunny and very pleasant, highs around 66. As always, stay safe and informed by keeping an eye to the sky and an ear to the radio. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. I'm Weather Will.
I'm guessing now that it was about 15 years ago, a late-night town meeting debate that nevertheless kept people in their seats and preserved the fragile quorum that threatened to dissipate. But this was an important issue. Uncle Tim's bridge was falling apart. Wellfleet's iconic structure, our own motif number one, painted by a thousand weekend artists, site of countless wedding proposals, I was a member of the select board at the time, and we were asking for authorization to borrow money to hire an engineering company to repair it. No small amount for a little town, probably in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, but who remembers these things? What I do remember were the heated arguments, the accusations of fiscal irresponsibility, the cries not to raise the tax rate, which at that date was a laughable $4.72 per thousand dollars of valuation. I don't know enough about other towns on Cape Cod to suggest that Wellfleet's frugality was especially self-destructive by comparison, but we tried to save money on everything. You name it, we cooked up a good reason not to spend money on it. Again, this is subject to memory, but... About an hour into the discussion about repairing Uncle Tim's bridge, a local carpenter stood up and announced he'd volunteer to fix it himself. Never mind the engineering report on foundations, trusses, and abutments. He was confident that all it would take was a couple of guys and a bucket of nails. That was all the voters needed to hear, and the article was indefinitely postponed. Nothing ever happened, of course, except that at a subsequent town meeting, we approved the same bridge repair at twice the cost. Almost every town on Cape Cod has had its super embarrassing civic dilemmas over the years, and even people who seldom pay attention to the regional news know about Provincetown sewer backup, Falmouth's wind turbine fiasco, and, of course, Wellfleet's recent financial meltdown. Since I now sit on the FinCom, I've continually been asked what caused it, by reporters, by town residents, by earnest friends at the dinner table who lean in and ask in a whisper, what really happened? And the truth is, I really don't know. Money went missing, Accounts were unassigned, free cash wasn't certified, and although fingers were pointing every which way, I was clueless as to just how it all happened and who might be to blame. But at this past Saturday's town meeting, I think I might have figured it out. Just a few days previous, after three years of forensic accounting, a dedicated cadre of consultants, and hundreds of hours of meetings, the state certified Wellfleet's free cash, releasing over $4 million to pay our town bills. Needless to say, the mood at this year's town meeting was almost giddy, and voters starting facing the facts. Having saved ourselves money in the past had cost us a fortune more in the future. 
Building a shabby police fire station in the 1960s had cost more than $10 million to replace in the early 2000s. Refusing to install a sprinkler system when the elementary school was built meant spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to put one in a few years later. At the same time, we lowballed salaries and voted against creating new positions. And because of that, we were overburdening staff, asking clerks to do the work of professionals, charging committee members to enact complicated state directives, and regularly saw good people poached by other towns offering better wages. And while we were decreasing our ability to manage town government, more demands were placed on it. The state came up with more mandates. The environment required more regulation. For too many years, we were running our 21st century government with 20th century assumptions. And then, of course, it all came crashing down. So what happened at this past town meeting? Wellfleet wised up. Wellfleet started spending. Wellfleet started hiring. Wellfleet finally entered the 21st century. And as a consequence, Wellfleet got its mojo back. I'm Ira Wood, and that's my opinion. And that does it for this week's edition of Outer Cape News. Thanks go to the Provincetown Independent, the Provincetown Banner, the Cape Codder, the Cape Cod Chronicle, and the Cape Cod Times. Thanks also to Beth Dunn, Will David, and Ira Wood for their contributions to the program. And thanks to Henry and Jane Fisher and Jacob Greenberg for being sustaining members of Outer Cape News. And now stay tuned for Friday Afternoon Jazz with Joel Shaw here on listener-supported Community Radio, WOMR. Your mama, you're my 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 mama